Hi there, and welcome to Fantasy Focus Baseball for Thursday, July 15th, 2021. He is Tristan Happy Cockroft. Kyle Safi produces and researches, and I am merely Eric Carabell. Fantasy Focus Baseball is presented by LinkedIn Jobs. Tristan, how are you? It's been a while. Hope you enjoyed the All-Star break. Oh, it was actually quite enjoyable. I really got into a lot of the festivities this year. And, you know, the 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 break from not having rotation rotations change with the forecaster was uh, refreshing for what 48 hours and now i'm merely frustrated that no teams have declared starters going into the weekend <laughs> it's a whole tbd weekend yay <laughs> yeah there's one game on the slate for thursday it's red sox yankees and they'll of course be playing on sunday night baseball as well but a lot of the pitchers for friday are, are still as of now when we're recording our show on thursday morning they're just blanks you know, like I just don't know who's starting in a lot of these games. There's also a, a double, at least one double header on Friday, so it's going to be very interesting. But the second half of the season, um, not technically but figuratively, starts today, and we will get to the schedule a little bit later. First, I want to recap what happened since our last show because lots of stuff, uh, lots of stuff went on the All Star game. Let's start with that: Shohei Otani hitting and pitching. Uh, nothing special for him in that game. We'll get to the Derby in a second. But Vladimir Guerrero goes yard. He wins the MVP honors. Was there anything in the all-star game that is important for fantasy baseball purposes for you? Not really. Nothing shifted in a major way. But, I mean, there were notable little pieces besides the ones you mentioned. The fact that Freddie Peralta whiffed all three of the batters uh, in his inning was kind of an underscore on how immensely great his breakout has been this year. And we saw whispers of it last year, but I, I don't think people are talking enough about how awesome he has been. We talk a lot about the Milwaukee rotation. He's one who I don't think has gotten quite the attention of the Brandon Woodruffs or uh, Corbin Burns's. Yeah, Milwaukee can can get through the National League. They could win the World Series with that threesome and that bullpen. Yep. Yes, indeed. I mean, they could do what Washington did a couple of years ago. Go three starting pitchers, Hader and Devin Williams, use nobody else. Yeah. And that's a dangerous club for the yeah. Dodgers, Padres, Giants, and Mets. I, I got to tell you, it seems like the playoffs are kind of obvious at this point in the National League. Um, yeah, I mean, the All-Star game, I, I don't think it's uh, it's all that intuitive for fantasy purposes. I mean, like the players get one or two at-bats. The pitchers barely throw a lot of pitches. Uh, I enjoyed seeing Real Muto hit that home run. You know, Real Muto is not having a monster year. Um, he's having an okay year. I actually moved him out of the top spot among catchers in my rankings for the second half of the season. Yes, I did update my rankings. Um, and you're thinking about, oh, why did he do that? But I can make the case for it. I think you can yeah. too. Yes. Um, and then, all right, so let's move on to the home run derby where Otani and Juan Soto put on a huge show. That was a lot of fun. I've been to a yes. bunch of derbies, probably 10 in my life. I haven't been traveling the past couple seasons um, for myriad reasons. But I, I enjoyed that home run derby. I especially enjoyed... Um, the, uh, the Jason Benetti one on ESPN two, the StatCast version, um, which was fantastic. I got to tell you, they did a great job with, with the, to the launch angles. Yeah, people say, oh, people are, people are so anti-analytics. Don't be anti-analytics. It helps. Okay. Just don't make it a hundred percent of your business. Um, but yes, that was uh, fantastic. Um, the Derby Otani puts, Otani was a little bit tired at the end there. Every time he swung and hit, it looked like he was grabbing his right shoulder. And I'm like, oh, please, no, please, no. Because I, I <laughs> yeah. Right? Yeah. We want to see him healthy. This is the best story in, in baseball <laughs> this season. Juan yeah. Soto actually gave some interesting pre-derby uh, quotes Monday, early Monday afternoon saying some players complain that the derby messes up their swing for the second half. He said, basically, and I'm paraphrasing, I wanted to mess up my swing so I could lift the ball more. 
I don't know if you saw that. I yes. wrote about it in my article. I know you yep. read all my blogs, so you probably saw that quote. I did. And I was thinking about Soto, like, yeah, we could use a nice, you know, 20 home run second half out of him. I'm not projecting that. I projected the home run totals for all the Derby participants. Um, but I thought that was interesting. Yeah. And then Pete Alonso, of course, wins it. And Pete Alonso had no, you know, post-Derby problems in 2019 when he won. He had 23 home runs. He didn't have the same numbers as his first half, but he wasn't going to anyway. Right. Uh, Pete Alonso is built for this Derby, by the way. He could win it every year. It's such a nice power swing. He's really strong. It's not a beautiful swing like the lefties, but it's just, man, if you want home runs, nobody has more since he debuted. Anyway, your thoughts on the Derby. So I, I stand by my stare the other day. It's delightful nonsense and stress the word delightful. I've watched every Derby for at least 30 years. I'm, I'm remembering 91. I, I think I've watched even the 80s versions of them. I, I really enjoy this, even though it's it's just kind of silly. But this one was captivating. There was no guy who really had a major disappointment. Everybody came out to play. And as ridiculous it is, as it is for us to, to break down these little, little items like you did with Soto and the Otani thing, I think there is some important stuff to be said about it. One of them is Otani, he, was, he looked exhausted. And I remember my first reaction to going into a tiebreaker was that Soto gets up there and he has that opportunity uh, to, to just rest while Otani is swinging for probably five, six minutes. Otani didn't get that because Soto comes back for that. And then Otani has to go right back in. Then Otani had to go right back in on the second tiebreaker. I, I just, between those and the fact that he started, he's throwing a hundred miles per hour in the all-star game. And he batted, had two at bats in that game. It raises just a tiny little bit of the question of fatigue. And he is going to pitch the third game for the Angels coming out of the All-Star break. And I, I just, I really hope that that he stays perfectly fine on the field for every remaining Angels game. I think, Angels game, I think he will, but, but I don't know. It, it worried me ever so slightly. Soto, love your take on that one. The fact that he went into those three swings and the tiebreaker uh, match, and he, he seemed to know exactly what his approach would be, was what I love about him as a hitter, he is a smart guy. And the fact that you, you said, if he did want to unravel his, his swing and hit for more power, bring it on. That is what made Vladimir Guerrero awesome this year is that he got more elevation on the ball. It's 4% of a decrease in ground ball rate for Vladimir Guerrero. If, if Soto does that in the second half, he will be an MVP caliber player and a challenger series one for number one on the fantasy uh, player rater for the, for the second half. Don't you think? I mean, I think Soto is a very legitimate candidate to be the best player in fantasy from today forward. I think he might win the batting title and hit for power. I think he could do whatever yeah. he wants. Yeah. And, he, and I mean, he gonna... showed it in that. in that And Alonso, just a quick thing on Alonso. You know what it is? I don't think it's just that he's built. I think Joey Gallo is also built to, to win the home run derby. I think Alonzo has the perfect combination of build and approach. I think approach is also very important. I agree. And and the other thing I liked about the derby is nobody had a bad derby. Like Sally Perez yes. and Trey Mancini. I mean, Matt Olson, a slow start, and then he got moving. I mean, like some every derby you see a guy who hits like three home runs in the whole round. You didn't see that no. this week. Everybody did, did well. Terrific performance. And kudos, by the way, the fact that it's timed, they don't get the breather. In the past, it used to be the outs that get 10 yeah. outs so like they could take breathers. Like this is kudos to these guys for holding up that well and performing on a time on a time clock. 
I mean, I, I get tired after like three swings in my softball games, and these guys are swinging like 50 times in three minutes. It was like fantastic. Um, yep. Lots of other stuff here to get to. Big show. So um, the kids, Futures game was on Sunday. I saw some of that. I wonder if yep. you saw any of it and what, what your thoughts were. Brennan Davis, the Cubs outfitter, who we don't talk about very much as a top prospect because he's not, but that's a guy – he has like a Trey Mancini vibe to me, like a 25 homer, 90 RBI guy, outfielder. I could see that happening. Um, I, what I really noticed was Shane Baz at Tampa Bay is ready right now. Okay. he He's going to be in the majors really soon. The only issue in fantasy is I don't know what his role is going to be. Will he be, a, a, you know, a middle, a middle innings guy? I doubt he's closing. I'm not sure he's starting and throwing 75 pitches and Reed Detmers of the angels. I'm a little bit surprised. He's not in the majors now. Like, they need starting pitcher right now. Mm-hmm. Detmers comes in, lefty, who I don't recall throwing 95 miles per hour when he was drafted last year. And now he is. He's striking his strikeout rate is unbelievable in double A. Would the Angels promote him straight from double A to the majors really soon? Ba- Baz and Detmers were the guys I was like, wow, look at these guys, overpower hitters. And, you know, I enjoyed seeing Austin Martin and Bobby Witt. Bobby Wood, I think a little bit low in your dynasty rankings, by the way. Yeah, I, 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 I mean, there. <laughs> I, I look, so Tristan uh, has his midseason dynasty dynasty rankings, and he also has his 2025 team all in the same week. What a banner week for Tristan's articles this week. And we'll touch on that a little bit. But I, I mean, Bobby Wood looks like a, a monster to me. Like, I think if you're going to rank, I don't want to say he should rank where Wander Franco is, Wander Franco is but from a fantasy, I think you can make the case because he's going to steal bases. And he's going to hit for power, and that's what Franco's going to do. So, I I almost think now Bobby Witt deserves the same treatment as Wander Franco does for fantasy purposes. Anyway, um, any other thoughts from you on the in the futures game? Now, I like your take on those two pitchers because those are teams that are going to need pitching depth. And in the case of the Rays, they could find an opportunity for Baz to come in, uh, contributing in the. Uh, the Louis Patino and the Shane McClanahan mold. And maybe that doesn't impact us a lot for fantasy, but I do think it's going to be relevant because if they are really pressed into it, he pitches well at the major league level. Maybe he does lock down a couple of starts, gives you five, six to contribute there. Um, just because he was on the uh, on the team here and he was tearing it up in AAA, we talked about him a million times and he is, there's whispers in Seattle coming out that he's getting recalled. I got to just mention the Jared Kelnick thing. Jared Kelnick's a guy you got to have on a roster everywhere at this point. And I'm really surprised in the ESPN leagues, he's available in 60%. Because, these 60 plus percent. because the inpatient fantasy managers are all, are assuming he stinks now because he hit like 096 or something. Opportunity! I, I don't see why our, our projection on Jared Kelnick should have changed at all since March. We think he's going to be great. He struggled for a month. He's going to come back soon. He may be back this weekend. He is going to be a great fantasy asset. I really believe like you've got Kyle Tucker ranked really well in your dynasty ranks. Yep. I, I I think Kelnick deserves almost the same placement. Tucker obviously has been in the majors. He's proven mm-hmm. himself a little bit. He's he's a potential five category guy, although I doubt he hits for average. Kelnick, I think, is a lot like that. I really do. I like your comps here that you're putting those two together. I think that that, that does comprise a tier. I do think the case for Witt and Franco I, I think that's oh, Franco. Franco. Why am I saying Franco? I'm going back to Michael Franco. You should not be comparing Wander to Michael. Um, but yeah, I think Witt and, and Franco, they probably also belong in a similar tier. Witt, I really did struggle with in the, the dynasty rankings. All right. And then there was the MLB draft and the surprise first pick to Pittsburgh was the catcher, Henry Davis, who might be great. He's a really good hitter. But catchers, be careful. In, in a fantasy sense here, it's different than in real life sense. I mean, in a fantasy sense, I still rarely 
keep catchers or use them for dynasty purposes here because you know they get hurt, they get injured. Sometimes sometimes they don't hit until late in their careers, as with Yadi Molina and Sally Perez to some degree. We're seeing Real Muto now. He's just an average offensive player this season, and p- possibly because he was hurt. He had a broken thumb back in March. So mm-hmm. Henry Davis is the first pick. He would not be my first pick in a dynasty format here. I still think it's the starting pitchers. Yeah. I can't believe Kumar Rocker fell to number 10 to the New York Mets. The Vandy boys, right-handers. Yeah. I mean, Kumar Rocker is going to be great. And I think he's, there's a, sh- a chance he's up this September for the Mets pitching as a starting pitcher because they don't have five starting pitchers. I don't know who's going to catch them in the NL East. <laughs> Atlanta just lost their best player. Philadelphia yeah. is so average. Washington is not even average. So the Mets could win 85 games and still cruise to the playoffs and then yeah. have to play the Dodgers or the Giants. But I, I just – Kumar Rocker is going to be great. I think Jack Leiter may have more upside, but I compared him to Sonny Gray, a shorter Vandy right-hander with strikeout potential. Yeah. Uh, so Leiter went number two overall to Texas. Great home ballpark. Kumar Rocker, great home Amazing ballpark Amazing to say well. that now, right? Because you don't think of Texas in the past, but you're correct today. <laughs> and by the way, like I think Leiter and Rocker are going to be great, but there were other right-handed power arms that went in round one who I think could be just as good. Will Bednar, I watched him in the College World Series. He's, mm-hmm. He goes to San Francisco. You can't get a better ballpark than that. And Gavin Williams to Cleveland, I saw him face Vanderbilt last month, and he looked great. Cleveland does a great job with their starting young starting pitching. So to me... That draft, for fantasy purposes, was about the right-handed power starting pitchers, but not just the Vandy boys, the other guys as well. What are your thoughts? No, I would agree with that because I think they can move quickly, and I think pitching is inclined to move a lot more quickly these days. So I actually would make the case that I like rockers upside more than I do lighters. I think lighter is the more locked-in, safe kind of guy, and they're both going to be excellent prospects in time. I like the thought about maybe pushing him to the majors down the stretch because the Mets are struggling at the 4-5 spots. We'll see how Noah Syndergaard's uh, recovery goes. I think that might play a little bit into it. Um, Rocker was one of the gifts. The other one was Marcelo Mayer going to the Red yeah. Sox, at number four overall. I mean, that is a gift. Now, he's going to take a long while. It's why you don't even see a whisper of him in either the two pieces I did, the Dynasty 300 or the All-2025 team, because I don't see him getting to that level for fantasy. But if you're in one of those drafts, there's deep, deep, deep uh, Dynasty League that have the first year player draft. I think Meyer belongs, Meyer Mayer, I think it's Mayer, belongs in that early category. And and you're right. I do think that those big right-handed power arms are going to be the the guys you want in the short term. Yeah, I I think you're looking at short versus long-term for fantasy purposes. If you're in a dynasty format, though, you want the right-handed power pitchers and you hope they become aces. That's how I look at it. The the Davis thing, the the only thing with with Davis is just the weakness of catcher. It is a tough read for me as to where he belongs. I did think about putting him in the ranks just because he was a college catcher and he has great discipline. He he had more walks than strikeouts in his uh, final college year. I don't know. I'm I'm torn there. He, he again, didn't make my cut. I think Adley Rushman of Baltimore is special and a generational catching talent like Buster yep. Posey. Mm-hmm. I don't think there's any other catcher like that right now. I mean, Seattle just called up this kid, Cal Raleigh. Maybe he's great. Oh. We thought Francisco Mejia was going to be great a couple of years ago. I just be careful with catchers in fantasy. I've got the one of Francisco Alvarez going back to the futures game. He had the home run, the Mets yeah, prospect, 19 year old catcher. Yeah. Now you want to talk about a guy whose hit tool is great and has exceptional discipline. There's your guy. There is your guy. All right, let's move on from the kids here and get into the news of the past weekend. So Ronald Acuna, that stinks. It absolutely stinks. And I'm a Phillies fan, so I don't want Atlanta to do well, but it stinks because this is one of the best players in all of baseball. So exciting. And he tore his ACL 
And so I asked you, obviously, you can drop them in redraft formats for 2021. But if you were going to rank Acuna one, two, or three for 2022, does this change your mind? It's an ACL in July. So he may not be ready to play in April. It might be a, a 10 to 12 month period here. So maybe Acuna doesn't even debut next season until May or June. I don't think we can rank him in the top 10 for next season yet. And does it change your dynasty rankings? It does change both. More so 2022. With the information we have today, he has no chance of being my number one player. Uh, there's no way I'm putting him ahead of a guy like Tatis. There's no no chance of putting him ahead of Soto. There's no way I'll put him ahead of Vlad Guerrero and, and probably some of the ace pitchers either. Because even if he was ready on opening day, I don't know that he's going to be at peak form. Does he steal as many bases? That's a big part of his fantasy game. So just just bear it in mind. I think that there's going to be some risk. And even if things are positive going to spring training, I would take the conservative approach to him. And I see your point about not even putting him in the top 10. That is a possibility. Dynasty-wise, not number one, just because of the time missed. But that's it. I don't think this is going to hurt his long-term career as a young guy. has plenty of time to come back. And a year from now, a year from today, he can be at his previous form. But that year's the, lost time is yeah a part of the calculation. It stinks. And by the way, Atlanta's lost their entire starting outfield from opening day. And right now they're going with former Brewers shortstop Orlando Arcia in left field. And it's not like he's a hitter. Yeah. Uh, Guillermo Heredia, Ahire Adrianza. Perhaps we'll see Christian Pache again soon. Ender Inciardi, that's a met. That's the worst outfielder in the major leagues right now. And we don't know when their left fielder, slugging left fielder, is going to return. He may not return at all because even when he's healthy, he's got some off field issues there. So, and we need to get to the off field issues ever so briefly here on the mm-hmm. Dodgers right hander who yep. was in the top tier before the season. And I'm shocked by this, but his administrative leave has been extended. So yes. I ask you this I think it's a reasonable question and I hate asking it, but. In a redraft league, you need the bench space. Do you actually drop that Dodgers right-hander? Yeah, I think that is now on the table in a standard mixed league. A 10-teamer, maybe even a 12-teamer or shallower with no bench. Yeah. I Look, we have no idea how long this is going to take. They have the opportunity to extend that administrative leave again, and we raise the fact that this is a – Complete gray area with no history on that. I would say that that we have no right to expect that either he or Azuna is going to come back anytime in the, the foreseeable future. Uh, moving on, Adam Eaton's on the Angels. Do you care? No, other than daily opportunities against weak righties. But he's probably not as bad as his numbers were on the White Sox. No, but he's a platoon player at this stage of his career. I just find it hard to believe that a guy who was productive in 2019 could just fall apart just like that. They, they, see, the Angels are in an interesting spot where while they have other injuries, they could pair up Phil Gosselin and, and Eaton in a perfect platoon. I mean, that's that's the ideal thing you want to do when you have as little depth. As By the way, do. Joe Adele, nobody ever questioned the power. You want to see some plate discipline? I mean, that's that's <laughs> not – he's yeah. not trending in the right direction there. Nope. Uh, Eloy Jimenez of the White Sox started his rehab assignment. I yes. think we might see him in two weeks. I think we might as well, yeah. And he's another guy who's a must-have. And I believe last I checked, he's just under 40% available in ESPN leagues, which is a lot and should not be the case. He needs to be easily over 90% by tomorrow. And check out Tristan's, I, I mentioned his excellent dynasty rankings. And your 2025 team, you know, you've been doing this for a long time. So I, I want to ask you, and obviously you wrote, wrote about it in your lead, but 
How do you come up with this? How do you decide which of these players, like, it's easy to say Vlad is going to be on that team, but Fidal Burhan, we've barely seen. Mm -hmm. So how do you decide whether you're going to go with a shortstop or a middle infielder who's like, like established an Ozzy Albies, Trevor story type or a Bobby Witt or Bruhan who we haven't seen yet in the majors. Like you're assuming they're going to be great. I'm assuming they're going to be great, Yeah. but for fantasy purposes, is it a little bit of a reach? Do you feel safe in your knowledge of this or what? No, I don't feel safe at all because there's going to be one person on that team who is a complete disaster of a pick. That's just what happens. Every one of these all four years ahead teams that I've done since I started writing them. And I mean, I don't do them every single year, but I, I've, I think I started them back in the two, 2000s. Uh, there's usually one who's a complete disaster. That's just the nature of prospects. But for me, I take, the, you know, after going through the dynasty ranks where it's a five-year and somewhat plus uh, projection, I look just for the peaks. And if in five years that player is at a reasonable age for major league success and I considered his upside up there, that's when I put him on the team. There's also the case where making the selections, I sometimes do it because I want to get a note in there about a player. You mentioned Bruhan. I put Bruhan on the team for an important reason. I kind of look at him as a little Adalberto Mondesi-ish in that other than the fact that the play discipline, discipline is completely different. What if Bruhan is a stolen base filler, not to the level that Mondesi was, but 35 steals, and does it with the exceptional plate discipline that he could have at that, that level with some pop? Doesn't he belong on a team in 2025? Oh, absolutely. I mean, but you're, it's a little bit of a leap to say he's, he's going to get there. But I, I think it's a very interesting call you made there. Hopefully the health is important yeah. as well. And I love the fact that you got the Vandy boys pitchers on that list as well. I think they're yes. going to be great as well. <laughs> so it's a little bit of dreaming here. And you put Otani as a DH. Yeah. You know, in five years, Otani might be their everyday right fielder for the Angels. I mean, that arm. I mean, yeah. that's a prototypical right fielder right there. Yeah. Power arm, Alice Valentine arm with power. I mean, my goodness. Otani was a Otani was a guy I just wanted to get on the team somewhere. He does deserve it. There, but and I I wrote this about him. I might have the year wrong. That big year might be twenty twenty four or it might be twenty twenty seven. But he's going to have another year like this. I, I don't know how Otani's ever going to have another year like this. Let me get your. I so I projected his home run total. What do you think? Is Otani at fifty? Does he hit sixty? I mean, look at look at what he's doing so far. I mean, it's incredible what he's doing. And I'm optimistic, unlike you. I think he's going to be healthy forever. But give me his final home run total number. Does he lead the league in home runs? I think Vlad passes him, but... Yeah, I don't think he's going to lead the majors in homers. I do think he's getting to 50 without much trouble. Uh, I've ranked him accordingly. That I do think there's reason for confidence. I actually, at this stage, would say with what's left, next year is the year I'm out. I think he is going to be dramatically overpriced next year relative to what he can contribute to you and the risk that he's had up to this point in his U.S. career. But let's say he hits 19 more homers. So are you trying to insinuate you will not rank Otani in your top 10 for next season? I probably will. I'm saying that I will do it with great hesitation. And if I find more confidence in the other guys, I'm going to push him out of there for those. I, I, Cause, it's because it's going to come down to the research because right now I've got a top four of like Tatis, Soto, Vlad, Otani. And I'm like, I think that those four stand out over all the rest. Mookie ain't there. Trout ain't there. Cunha's gone. You could make the case for DeGrom, but I didn't. Yeah. Currently, I, these, I would put DeGrom and I would put Trey Turner ahead of him for next year. Trey Turner belongs probably there as well, because that's a lot of power that we did yeah. not expect. Good all chance right. Bobachette might be as well. Must move on. It's time for combo meals. Please sing it, sir. Hey, it's a combo meal. Do, 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 do. Combo, 
combo. Dee, 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 dee. It's a combo meal, home run plus steal. And these players were making moves earlier this week and making moves is brought to you by LinkedIn jobs. Build your winning team today. Go to LinkedIn.com slash sports. Here are the leaders in combo meals for the season. Fernando Tatis Jr. He's awesome. Keep that shoulder attached. He has five of them. Dylan Moore. Is that right? Dylan Moore has four combo meals. The Seattle player who's barely, barely plays for them anymore. Uh, and then a, a bunch of guys have three, including the great Otani, but also Trevor Story. He's great. Marcus Semyon. He's great. And Adolis Garcia. He's pretty good. He's on the all-star team. Good yep. for him. Not yeah. every all-star to me was like, oh my goodness, I want to see him play. But good for Aldous Garcia. I mean, he he had a, he's had a nice first half of the season. Rookie I mean, eligible. He could win rookie of the year. It's, <laughs> the races are gonna the, the the races for these awards are going to be fascinating to me. Not just MVP between Otani and Vlad, but the rookie of the year awards. I mean, it's not too late for somebody to debut and still steal the award, you know? It would be hard, but uh, yeah, you're right. It could be done. Cy Youngs are going to be a lot of fun. Um, anyway, these are your combo meals so far. We're not going to harken back to last weekend. Hopefully, there's a bunch more combo meals this coming weekend. Marcus Semien is having an amazing season yeah. that I did, I did not see coming. Yeah, uh, and he goes back into the market, and somebody, you know, the Yankees or somebody's giving him tons of money. That's going to be a lot. That's going to be really interesting to me. And does he go back to shortstop next year? Will be a good question. Yeah, yeah. It's going to be very, a bunch of teams with money are going to need a shortstop. So mm-hmm. it's going to be a team need one now. I, I don't know who's getting Trevor's story. I, I can't imagine or the white, the white Correa or Semyon. I mean, well, though you're talking about trade well, story is yeah. in two weeks, by the way, yeah. the trade deadline in, in, in uh, major league baseball this season is not on the last day of July. It's Friday uh, the 30th, which is two weeks from tomorrow yes. because they didn't want to do it on a weekend. And uh, so we'll obviously have a show the day before and then we'll write up any big, you know, stuff. But you know, Trevor Story, you know the deal. Like we could write up 500 words on why Trevor Story is less valuable as a White Sox than a Rocky, but you know why? Because it's Coors Field. Yeah. And to me, the trade deadline, and we'll again get to this in the next two weeks, is all about the David Bednar is going to be more valuable than Richard Rodriguez in the final two months of the season, because Bednar is going to be Pittsburgh's closer, and R- Richard Rodriguez is going to be the seventh inning guy for the Yankees or Dodgers. That's mm-hmm. that's a generality, but that's what happens every year. In yeah. fantasy, when these oh, guys yeah. get traded, let's we do a little. Through. There's there's two or three every year. You're you're dead on on that. Let's do a little closer carousel here, if you mind. <laughs> it's the closer carousel. You must be lots of fun at like weddings and parties because you're just dancing around there on our squad cast, singing the song, <laughs> pointing your fingers all over the place, smiling. It's it's awesome. It's good to see. I'm the guy who's usually doing the swing dancing. I'm trying to get people into that out on the dance floor during the weddings. I'm I'm ridiculous. <laughs> swing your clothes around and round. Is he a pirate? <laughs> That's square dancing, man. I don't. Oh, man. Uh, you're I've done safe. that too. I have done that too. <laughs> So there's a lot of things you've done. Uh, let's move on. Player Raider, the top closers for the season right now. And again, we're removing like Freddie Peralta, who's relief eligible and other guys of that ilk. Uh, Liam Hendricks is the number one closer. But as I wrote in today's uh, interesting questions about closers, it's a lot of home runs. I mean, he's essentially become Razel Iglesias with a better, but and actually with a similar walk to K rate. Iglesias is having the same season as Liam Hendricks, but you did not draft them that way. Right now, it's Hendricks, Hader, Iglesias, Kimbrell, Barnes. Melanson is the number six closer uh, for the season. I'm not sure why. Oh, it's no strikeouts. That's why. Um, but he's got the most saves. Um, who are you worried about the most for the second half of the season? 
Is it is it your Yankee guy? Is it you know a guy like Richard Rodriguez who might get traded? Um, because when Kimber gets traded, he's closing. When Rodriguez gets traded, uh, he probably isn't. He has 17 yeah. career saves. Yeah. And and that, just from my experience, is the bigger deal at this stage of the year. It's got to be Rodriguez for me. I am concerned about Chapman and the Yankees situation. And they do get a guy back in Zach Britton on, from what I understand, either tonight or on Friday. He could be a candidate if he shows good health in the first week after he's off the injured list. They They, they have different options. And Chapman did not look right going into the break. And of course, the relief pitcher with the most saves and the highest war in July is Heath Hembry, who's not good, but the Reds are letting him close. And, you know, it's going to, he gives up so many home runs. Um, but I don't know when that's going to change. I, I think if you add Heath Hembry to your teams, you're probably dropping him in two weeks. And maybe not because of Lucas Sims. It may be because he Hector narrows himself and gives up all these home runs and loses the job to Amir Garrett or somebody we haven't even heard of. I don't know. Or maybe they're trading for a relief pitcher, you know, the unfortunate reality is you must chase those saves. And that is exactly why I hate doing that is that you're going to spend more fab than you should to get them. And then you're going to probably let them go in two weeks. So I have an open roster spot in the league where I have to add a pitcher and I could add a starting pitcher or I could add a relief pitcher. And I'm looking at Anthony Bender, who I don't think is Miami's closer. And he pitched poorly this past weekend, but I think his future is bright. I could pick up Joaquin Soria. who was clearly Arizona's closer. And who is trading? in real life for Joaquin Soria. So Soria could be the, the Arizona closer the rest of the season. He got 12 mm-hmm. saves. Um, who else was I looking at here? There was one other name of note and his name escapes him. But Soria the, gets the cut. Oh, it's Paul, Paul Sewell of Seattle, who I oh, think yeah. is, is kind of involved in their saves now. So what are you doing in your leagues? Are you picking up guys in advance of the trade deadline, like David Bednar and, you know, Miami's guy Bender, or are you picking up, Bad closers, you know, like Soria, who's, I, I think it's, I don't want to say bad. He might have a second and a half as good as Alex Reyes. Who knows? Yeah, I am, I am trying Bard. to, I am trying to protect with the Bednars first. That's my first read. I like your, your mention of Bender. That's another uh, good candidate to consider as well. Um, it seems to me like with the Cubs, they're using Andrew Chafin as the setup man. I mean, that was because Tapero was on the injured list before. I don't know that that's a direction I want to go anyway. For for planning coming out of the break, however, the way that your league structures this next period comes into play. So in the ESPN leagues, these uh, weekend games conclude the period that we're in right now. There are other ones that are going to use the 11-day period, and there's others that are just going to use the four days going into the weekend. So in your shoes, because a lot of those starters, I mean, Herman Marquez at the All-Star game, he's not pitching this weekend for Colorado. You're going to need to put in somebody else. And if it has to be a reliever, it has to be a Joaquin Soria, three home games against the Cubs, they're winnable, perhaps save opportunities. That might be a direction I'd go. I've done that in a couple of leagues where I've added just one or two relievers just because maybe I get a couple of innings, steal a save or a win. Should we be calling, it's a very important question. Should we be calling Philadelphia's setup man a pre-arranger? A pre-arranger. Because the Ranger Suarez yeah. is a closer. You don't understand. I, I don't understand the uh, Ranger. <laughs> well, pre, pre-arranger. Pre-arrange is actually not a word. Pre-arranged, I think. Well, pre no, it's pre-arrange is a word, not pre-arranger. All right. It's right. That's what I'm I thought it I, would work. <laughs> it doesn't work. Whatever. I don't care. Nobody's listening. They're not all winners. They're not it's, all winners. It's a valiant effort, man. That's all I can say. 
<laughs> uh, there's one game on the slate today. It's on ESPN. Eduardo Rodriguez is pitching against somebody, probably that lefty who who's really weird, Nestor Cortez, right? And like he like stops. It's like a 1970s Luis Tiant from the left side yeah. stuff. Um, Eduardo Rodriguez is making three starts this period. How about that? He's the only pitcher, I believe, in who's doing that. that. Yeah, in the leagues that count 11 days, he's the only one who mathematically can, yes. They may not be great starts, <laughs> not having a great season. Well, he's got two Yankees in those. That's the catch. And I think it's to- in Toronto for the middle. So that's series. no. That's a no for me. Yankees are all right-handed. I'm doing it. I've got a league where I've got that lock, and I'm doing it because I need the volume. Uh, okay. What else here of the of the few starting pitchers listed? This would be a quick uh, thing here. ESPN Plus on Friday night has Eli Morgan of Cleveland against somebody on Oakland. Um, I don't think I want Eli Morgan on a fantasy team. Do you? No. Absolutely not. But Cleveland at least is getting some of the healthier guys back. Uh, they've thrown Zach Plesak back in. He's healthy. And Tristan McKenzie is back for the Monday game, I believe it is. Let me confirm that for you. And we should note that uh, there are two doubleheaders on Friday. Uh, Minnesota, uh, Minnesota, Detroit, Miami, Philadelphia. So they start earlier in the day. So if your lock is Friday, it's not at 7.05. It's at 2.10 p.m. Well, remember, it's going to lock your non-Yankees and Red Sox on Friday days. Right, Friday. But, like, I have a league where it locks at the first game. So I have oh, multiple yeah. leagues. In fact, most of my leagues locked that way. Um, so it's pretty rough with the TBDs. I, at least half of the, the the starting assignments this weekend are still TBD at the time of taping. I, By I the don't way, think I've ever seen it. You guys can tweet us all you want. Like if Boston, New York is rained out tonight, and I don't think it's going to be like that'll lock for the week. And a lot of most leagues, that's just the way it is. Like they can't just stop that. Your players are locked in when that happens. So you can ask me and Tristan, but we can't do anything about that. It. That comes down to the probability of rain delays. Yeah. Saturday, uh, no, nothing on our air, but Walker Bueller at Colorado. I, I know I've asked you this a bunch, but you don't take out top 20 starting pitchers just because they're pitching in Denver, especially against that offense. Correct. You estimate down the innings. They usually just don't get as many innings for the batters faced. Uh, the forecaster grades give him, at least of the assigned guys so far, the number two best pitcher throwing this weekend, even in cores. Uh, also Saturday, Adbert Alzale against Arizona. That's not a good team. 25th among qualifiers in chase rate, which is pretty good. Ahead of Scherzer, Giolito, kind of interesting there. Are you in that's... on Alzale? Now, with chase rate, I'm not sure that's a positive. Because that means he might be fooling guys, but if they get a little wiser, like they have over the final couple of weeks heading into the All-Star break, I have not been impressed by Alzale. I like what he's done with the slider this season. Arizona's a good matchup, but I'm on the fence there. He just faced Philadelphia, and Philadelphia's manager, who can't get anything right, sat down Hoskins and McCutcheon to put in Brad Miller, who had three home runs in that game, because Alzale... Alzale's numbers against lefties are just horrid. Yeah. And worse than like an average right-handed starting pitcher. Yep. Basically, Alzale is like a shutdown right-hander, but he's given up 15 homers to lefties with a high slugging. And then Brad Miller took him deep. He's got a there. one grade against righties and nine for the lefties. It's, I mean, that is among the widest out there. Um, Willie Peralta of Detroit and Alex Cobb of the Angels both pitched Saturday. An enticing matchup. So home against Minnesota for Peralta, which I never thought we'd say. And then Seattle for Alex Cobb. Are you interested in either of these gentlemen? Uh, Cobb, yeah, I've, well, I've, I'm sort of cornered into using him. Home game, Seattle, that's a good matchup. Sure. Give me the, who's the other guy? Uh, well, I, I, thought, guy. I thought you mentioned Peralta, Willie Peralta, Wiley Peralta. So, yeah, that's, I've got an AL league where I just don't have enough bodies to fill the lineup. So I put in a claim just because it's volume. I, 
Beyond that, I'm a no. No way. Sunday Night Baseball on ESPN is at Yankee Stadium against the Red. Oh, Nick Pavetta is on Sunday Night Baseball, a former Philly phenom yeah. against somebody on the Yankees. I, you know, I rip Pavetta <laughs> a lot because of the Phillies angle here because he couldn't do nothing for my team. But like Cole Irvin, now he's fine. But I still don't think he's fine. <laughs> I got to tell you. Like, I, where do you, do you rank the Pavetta among your top 50 starting pitchers? I don't no. think you do. I don't. You're, you're, you're a little too much of a hater on Pavetta, but I get it. You, you're also onto the fact that it's a hint mirage-ish. And it this is not a good matchup is. for him. No. Two Yankee not. matchups if you have the extended period. Two of them. Uh, we also got Framber Valdez on uh, Sunday. I mean, pretty much every Astros starting pitcher at this point is fine. It's good. Good enough to go. We'll see what they do, you know, mixing and matching the innings in the second half for Luis Garcia and all that. But, mm-hmm. um, Fulton Nevich, no. How about Patrick Sandoval? He's in on ESPN plus against Seattle. The lefty, he's been getting a lot of strikeouts. Yeah, he's pitched all right. And the grades say that he's worthwhile. If you're in on Cobb, there's no reason you shouldn't be on Sandoval as well. Home game, Seattle, that's favorable. Time to bring in Kyle. He's always favorable for some trivia and hash browns. People were tweeting us saying that, where was the trivia on our last show? And I just don't have a good answer to that. Actually, so. I think that was when I botched giving a trivia question for AJ. And I don't know that I gave the answer. And I'll be honest, I have to go back and find out what the question was. <laughs> I've got one for it's you. All good. We, did, we had a lot of things going on last show. There wasn't one last show. So we got two for you today. I got one and Tristan's got one today. Yep. So I want you to name the two pitchers that have allowed at least 20 homers, but have an ERA under four. That is my trivia question. We'll get to Tristan's in a minute when we come back to answer that. After hash browns, Mike is getting frustrated with Joe Musgrove. He wants to know if you look to move on from him with his sub three ERA. And if so, what sort of outfielder should he be looking for? I mean, Joe Musgrove has a big strikeout rate and his numbers are fine. I mean, it's, it's a very low hit rate, which I don't know if he can sustain in the second half of the season, but the strikeout to walk is great. Pitching well, uh, I mean, lefties, righties, home away. Everything looks good here. It's just recently he had a couple blow-ups, one at Cincinnati. Um, but, I mean, isn't Joe Musgrove a top 30 starting pitcher? I think so. As a matter of fact, I can make a case he's a top 20 starting pitcher and have ranked him as that, barely, granted. Um My concern is he's been a little bit too breaking ball reliant this year, and I wonder whether that's caught up with him over the past couple of weeks. And I I just hope that he adjusts that going forward, that he doesn't lean. Remember the no-hitter? In the no-hitter, he went almost entirely to the breaking pitches. I mean, his K-rate's down from last season's small sample. His BABIP is ridiculously low. So there's some hit, you know, BABIP magic going on here. But I still look at Mosgrove as a guy who should have like a 120 whip for the rest of the season with like a 350 ERA. So he's not going to put up the same numbers he has now, but he gets enough strikeouts where I think he's a top 30 starting pitcher. I don't think I can go top 20, but I like Musgrove outfielder. I mean, I don't know. I mean, I never say, well, maybe you can get this outfit or that outfit for him because it's all dependent on what somebody else wants to do. Maybe you can get Brian Reynolds for him. Maybe you can get Joey Gallo for him. I don't know what the other managers in your league would or would not do. I would be pushing at least for Brian Reynolds for him. Right, and Brian Reynolds right now is in like the number 10 outfielder for the season, but we yeah. don't rank him that way. We probably rank him like top 30. So that might be fair. Maybe Jared Walsh is fair, you know, yeah. home runs, not much yeah. else. If you want to yeah. – so I, I've got him in an NL-only league, and I'm trying to move him, and I'm not getting a lot of takers. If it's a mixed league, though, I might shoot as high as going for Teoscar Hernandez. And you mentioned Reynolds as well. I like the Walsh price point. Um Maybe a, a Alex Verdugo could be in that same general ballpark. That It's that tier of non-elite outfielders, but right beneath. 
I love this. There's like 50 players in the All-Star game, and Jared Walsh has to make a diving catch in left field, a position he's literally never played before. Jared Walsh has never played left field anywhere, and he played left field in the All-Star game because they have so many players, and they still can't get it right on <laughs> how they maneuver them all around. Anyway, next. Next up is Burner. He's got an OBP league. He wants to know if you prefer Fam or Mullins the rest of the way. I can't believe that's even a question, right? Know, right? Cedric Mullins has been so good. And when you look at his numbers, there's nothing wrong with them. Like, it's all legit, right? <laughs> I mean, even the pat he's got 16 home runs and 16 stolen bases. He's he's taking walks. He's not being overpowered. And he's he's a lefty who is doing great against lefties. He's batting like 300 against lefties with some pop. So it all looks legit to me. So give me Cedric Mullins. I know that's that's uh, we wouldn't have said that three months ago, but Tommy Pham, you know, he plays a lot, but he's had durability issues in the past, and Padres have lots of, you know, Cedric Mullins is going to lead off every day for the rest of the season for his team. Tommy Pham plays what eighty percent of the time because he been, misses. He's been playing almost every day for a couple months though. Pham, well, I know that, but like, if we're going to talk about Otani's durability, we have to mention Tommy Pham. Is yes, to play every that's, game. That's the thing. It's not a. I'm not sure how to characterize it with fam. It's it's a it's not only the injury risk, but it's also a level of inconsistency that I can't explain. He is kind of like Jackie Bradley Jr. in his Boston Red Sox days. He'd be awesome for chunks of time and then just completely useless for fantasy. And I think that's what sh- uh, shifts this for me to Mullins. Fam is very good in on-base percentage leagues, but I'm with you. Mullins. Mullins has to be a top 50 player in drafts for 2022, doesn't he? Gonna end up with he's gonna end up with twenty five homers, twenty five steals, a five category monster. Top fifty for twenty twenty two. With the I mean, I know you're thinking, has. all right, Eric, it's a little bit fast. Cedric Mullins is the number two outfielder for the season behind only Acuna, and Acuna's gone. So, I'm, like, I'll take Acuna over Mullins in an absolute second, even with the question. Well, you you won't this year, but next year, next yes, year. yeah. But I'm saying, why are we going to rank Cedric Mullins? Like, if you rank Kyle Tucker number 30 next year, why wouldn't you rank Mullins number 30? See what I'm getting at here? Like, Ka- Mullins yeah, is a good prospect. Kind of. Mullins is a very good prospect who just took a little bit longer. I mean, if we're going to rank Randy Orozarena number 50, why wouldn't we rank Mullins ahead of that? Mullins is doing better. He runs. Because more. because when it comes to a year transitioning into the next, you may have to make corrections on some of the fluky outcomes. And one of them is his home runs are largely fluky. His homer to fly ball rate is way out of character for his entire professional career. It's the only thing that I don't like about Mullins' year. So I'm going to project next year that Mullins steals 30 bases and bats 280, but hits like 15 home runs. Even though he's got 16 at this year's All-Star break. I'll take the under on the homers, but I like your over Under 50. Number. He's got 16 home runs right I, now, and you don't even think he's going to hit 16 all next year? But you didn't hear what I said. Like, I like your over-under, but I'll take the under. I don't feel completely committed today about it i'd rather see how the year goes but i i i won't be surprised to see 13 14 i i think i'm all in as cedric mullins being the left-handed starling Marte next year we're gonna rank Marte number 30 why are we not ranking cedric mullins that's that's and by the way i i actually think he has a better approach than Marte, and that fuels the points leagues yep all right wow i like that show wants to know if he can get a name game for chris bryant the rest of the way Oh my god! I don't even. Know. I, <laughs> I don't, I don't know even, to do with that guy. Do you? No, I don't. Um, he's the number six third baseman on the player radar for the season. He's having a good season, yeah. And but he's kind of being like pulled under in the Cubs morass, if you will. I mean, like, right? I mean, 
he hasn't hit lately. They've been losing a lot. Um, he's he's a good player. Yeah, he might be overrated for fantasy purposes, though. I, is I really going to trade him? I mean, I view Brian I now. Shocked. I really as, won't be shocked. Two seventy guy who hits twenty five home runs, knocks in ninety every year, doesn't run. He's a good player. He's very versatile. You can use yeah. him anywhere. He's capable of better as well. And if he lands in a good situation. The upside is that's the Nick Castellanos midseason trade finish. The downside is he's maybe barely a top 15 third baseman. I mean, I think you have to look at our rankings for where we rank Bryant as a good name. Like we could play a name game, but in this situation, right? I mean, like I don't want to get too cute with it either. I mean, we both rank Bryant. You rank him 75. I'm pretty sure I rank him a little bit better than that, but like, like you rank him after Brandon Lau, Bregman, Corey Seager. So obviously you would take those guys over him. So yep. I, I don't know how we would play a name game here unless something actively changed. But you have Bryant right next to Mitch Hanniger. Okay, that makes sense to me. Yeah. Power guys. Trade candidates. Trade candidates. That's about it. They're not stealing bases. They're fine. Yeah. yeah. And there's probably more safety in the injury department, I think. I mean, I mean, even accounted for Bryant's history than there is for Hanniger. Uh, yeah. Yeah. I, I actually have him at third base right ahead of of um, Gio Urshela. And Gio Urshela to me seems like the, if you want to lock in those stats that you just gave us and be safe about it, you'd rather have Urshela. But do you want to take the chance that Brian has one of those great final two months and carries your fantasy team? It's possible. You're, you're right. I hadn't thought about that. This could be a Nick Castellanos second half for him, like Castellanos did as a Cub. Uh, if he gets traded, because you can mm-hmm. see Bryant being motivated by being in a pennant race and and playing the heck out of left field for the Yankees in the final two months, I could see if, that. Yeah, like, what if he's the Braves left fielder? Yeah, he I, he could. Good lineup spot if he lands there. There are opportunities I, I, right now with Acuna out. I wonder why any NL East team would go for it right now, other than the, the first place team. Like, why would Philadelphia? They don't have any prospects as it is. And Atlanta's not exactly deep. They have some starting pitching in the minors, but like Atlanta's under 500. They're going to really go for it right now. Like, I understand you need outfielders, but why didn't you sign Adam Eaton? Like, at least he's a proven yeah. guy. Like, I, I'm a little surprised that they didn't get him. I anyway, wonder whether I, they just didn't get to him first. It might be. Might be. Although the Angels have a better record than the Mets, uh, than the, uh, the Atlanta. So uh, Atlanta had a shot. Yeah. The Mets right. pitching is really going to carry them in that one. I think the Braves still have a shot at it. I think they're in better position even without Acuna than Philly is. Kumar Rocker more starts the rest of the season than the Dodgers right-hander who's suspended right now. Wow. That that wow. could be. Okay. I mean, it might be 0-0, but and, – and maybe the Mets wouldn't do it. But, like, Mets, you've got a shot to win the World Series this season. You're going to roll in the NL East. You've got the best starting pitcher in the game. You have enough offense and depth. You've you know, bullpen's fine and put rocker there. Like I, why wouldn't rockers ready right now? Yeah. That's the thing. People are going to think that statement is absurd, but he, he came to terms with them already. Oh, he's, he's ready right now. That's what I mean. All the money. Yeah. He, he, rocker only slipped in the draft because of the money. You know, angels didn't want to pay it. Uh, Dodgers did. I mean, Mets did, but man, I'm starting to wonder now. It's highly unlikely, but I like where it's an interesting thought. They, they should be serious. Yeah. Next. Last question comes from Carter. He wants to know which starting pitcher you're most interested in for redraft the rest of the way among the injured guys. You've got Chris Sale, Severino, Gallen, Carrasco, anybody else you want to put on the list? Oh, I think it's clearly Sale. I bet Sale's back in uh, with, this month. Back in productive? Back yeah, in he started the, re- the rehab stint starts officially today, I believe. Yeah, I, I, and I don't think it takes him long to get pitch count up. I think he's going to be dominant. Um, Top I, what? 
from when he debuts to the end of the season, understanding that it'll take some warm-up time, top 25? Yeah. I, I actually, I don't know if, I, I probably didn't rank that right, that way. I probably missed on that one. But I, next time I update the rankings, I'm going to put Chris Sale above, who did we just mention as a starting pitcher that we should rank Musgrove. him top Musgrove. I think I'm going to put him ahead of Musgrove. Yeah, because I could see, uh, maybe that's a little aggressive, but I, I mean, look, yeah, Car- I, the, the, Carrasco, the it's going to be a month on Carrasco. Zach Gallon can get shut no, down because Carrasco. Arizona's. Cresco's in the equation for the Mets open rotation spot coming out of the break. I There's just read no that way. in the New York papers. I, I telling you what I read in the New York papers. All right. Well, they never lie. I, 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 I would be, <laughs> I also read something last week where Carrasco's coming back in mid August. So I don't know what I know. to believe. I know, Look, but I'm all I mean, in on sale. But like, the... You answer us on Severino. Cause I have I, I wouldn't even add him right now. Even if I had a deep bench. Yeah. I, I've I've been optimistic about when he gets back, but the setback kind of took me off of that. I do think there's going to be a point where Severino contributes. There's going to come a day where the Yankees have to make a decision as to getting him ready as a reliever for a stretch run. And if they're not competitive, then they're going to probably shut things I mean, down. I would take Syndergaard over Severino right now. See, I'm I'm just not a Syndergaard guy. I'm just I'm just not. You know, oh, I just think he's going to pitch. <laughs> I, I mean, pitching. I don't think it's going to go as well as people think it will. I just I'm not in this year. Right. On sale, I'm with you on that. I think he's going to be great when he comes back. I think they are going to work him up and build him up. I think he's going to be Shane McClanahan, but with better mm. stuff. Okay. And let's answer some trivia. First trivia question was, which two pitchers have given up at least 20 bombs but have a sub-4 ERA this season? Uh, Well, I, I think I know one. I have one on all my teams. I, don't, I think his ERA is under four now, Kyle Hendricks. Kyle Hendricks, he of the Elite First Name Club, is on that list. He's given up wow. 20. He has a 3.77 ERA. I don't think the Dodger right-hander. 19. I would have guessed Scherzer. To. Yeah, I was thinking those guys, like Verlander types, like they strike out everybody and they give up home runs. Scherzer's but... a massive fly ball guy. Scherzer yeah. has not given up enough homers. Nick Pavetta. <laughs> Seriously, Nick, Nick Pavetta's Nick... an extreme fly baller. Pavetta does not make the list either. <laughs> Although that would have been a great ball. question to have Pavetta as an answer and have Eric have to guess. Well, I, I, I may have guessed Owsley, but I already I looked him up 10 minutes ago, so I know he hasn't given up 20. But um, He's close, but no. He's at 18. Um, Giolito is probably close. I mean, Arietta would be there if he would pitch more innings. Is, is Mike Miner still under four? Giolito's given up 18. Miner's given up 17 home Oh, runs, boy, his- uh, Robbie Ray. Robbie Ray, there it is. Wow, 20 well homers done. and a 3.13. He's the left-handed Scherzer. He gives up a ton of home runs. He strikes everybody out. 3 one three Robbie Ray's yeah. having an amazing year. Big Can you name the, guy. Yeah. the pitcher who's given up the most homers in the league? That's not a sub-4 ERA, but... Dylan Bundy. <laughs> no, he stopped not giving him up. Because <laughs> <laughs> they took him out of the rotation. I just want to say the name with home runs. That's all. <laughs> I think I know it because a guy tried to peddle me him a couple of weeks ago, and I was like, absolutely not. Uh, it's Fulton Evich. Really? Somebody tried to trade you Fulton Evich for what? Not much. <laughs> Nola, I think it was. Oh. He was on the, he's on the injury list, and I was like, uh, Fulty starts yeah. in Toronto. He gets to face Vlad and company in his first hey, start. <laughs> yeah, give him credit for coming back to the majors. I mean, Atlanta outright dumped him. You know, a guy who was really good for a year. But um, anyway. You did right. good with that. Tristan, hit us with your second half trivia. All right, I'll go with the trivia, trivia that Eric and Kyle won't know. All right, so <laughs> I want you to name the four players. Since, Eric, you mentioned it's a non-traditional uh, midway, po- midway point, air quotes, of the year. 
shorter in the second half. The four players in baseball history who have gone 2020 after the All-Star break. Oh, come on. <laughs> oh, this is not as hard as you think it is. You missed the Tristan trivia questions. I um, don't miss them at all. I will give you hints to these if you guys don't have answers. Uh, Take a guess. Fake. Grady Sizemore. No, not Grady Sizemore. Two of these guys are Hall of Famers, and I won't be shocked to see all four of them in the Hall in our lifetimes. Barry Bonds and A-Rod. Barry Bonds did it in 1997. Okay. He finished 40-37. He went 20-23 in the second half. I guess A-Rod's not one of them. A-Rod is incorrect. One of these guys had, well, no, we got that one. Bonds had a 40-40 season. Uh, None of these other seasons concluded as 40-40. Well, there's only been like three 40-40s ever, right? Right. So So now you know not to guess those. Okay. So two of these were done by guys on the same franchise, different cities, but same franchise. Two Uh, guys. Well, is Alfonso Soriano one of them? Incorrect. That was going to be one of my guesses, yeah. Nope. Uh, same city. Cause I'm thinking like Hojo and so like, no, not uh, same city. One, they, they were different cities, same franchise. Two of these guys, same oh. franchise, different cities. Oh, okay. I feel like if I was smarter, that clue would mean more. I, well, I mean, I get Hank Aaron and Acuna. Acuna is correct. 2019, 20 and 24. And he finished 41 and 37. That was the most recent one, but that's not the franchise that moved. Two of these were co- accomplished in the same division. Uh, that doesn't help at all. <laughs> well, you had okay. one of the guys within that division. That does help. Um, and two of, the, two of these guys did it for franchises that are now in different cities. So it's not just one, two of these guys. The two you haven't named did it for previous franchises that have moved. Previous franchises, so it's probably a long time ago. Um, one, yes. One no. Well, Willie, May, Willie Mays. I Willie don't know. Mays did it in 1956, 2321. He finished 36-40. So there's a uh, another guy from long ago. More uh, recent, and his franchise has moved. Oh, More Vlad. Recent. Vladimir Guerrero did in wow, 2002. Look at you, Eric. Well done. Finished 39-40. Yeah, I remember that year. He was a monster. That was yep. good. That was good. Not I easy to do to go 2020. So we'll see no, if it happens. That's it's I. Can't see anybody running enough to do it, but that was a great trivia question. Thank you, Tristan. We'll be back on Monday for our next show and we'll start preparing for uh, the trade deadline. By the way, baseball tonight podcast with Buster and the gang is awesome. Listen to that every day. They'll get you ready for the trade deadline in the second half as well. Uh, All right. For Kyle Sopi and Tristan H. Cockcroft, the happy I am Eric Carabell. Please have an awesome weekend.